the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 382 for Monday, February 20th, President's Day, 2012. Good readings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your questions, you send in your tips. We provide some tips of our own. We do our darndest to get you answers to your questions. And together, we all try to learn a little something new. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, I'm John F. Braun. You know, John, I'd like to offer a slight correction. I believe that today is not President's Day here in the United States of America. I believe the official name for this holiday is still Washington's birthday. (sighs) All I can say about that is all I can say about that is I am signed up through I I don't know what means, but I believe I'm signed up to a U.S. holidays calendar. I think it's through Google. Yeah, I'm signed up to that one, too, and I believe it's wrong. And it says President's Day, but I'm with you. Well, the thing is, we used to have. Well, it also shows Lincoln's birthday. And uh, I I think at some point they folded Lincoln and Washington and a few of them into a all encompassing President's Day. Okay, so I found it. I found a thing at time.com that says uh, to set and we'll, of course, link to this in the show notes because it's how we work uh, to set the record straight. Today isn't actually President's Day. It is still known as Washington's birthday, according to the federal government in Section 6103A of Title V of the U.S. Code. So there you have it. <laughs> I don't know. You know, this is how we roll here, folks. It's uh, but not normally about President's Day, but, you know, that's how we go. All right. Uh, uh, and thanks for the link. But yeah. I want to I want to interject a bit with uh, what I've been doing today, because you may Go. ask yourself, Dave, what have you been doing today, John, for <laughs> the last several days? It is what I ask myself often. That's right. Often. <laughs> That's right. And I'm just going to tell you, because I think it's, it's relevant to some of our listeners here. So I, I was at the beach today. Now, you may be saying. John, that's crazy. It's February in New England. What are you doing at the beach? But the thing is, we've had an unusually warm, and I'm not going to attribute it to any one thing, uh, but we've just had an unusually mild winter yeah. uh, here. But but uh, as of late, I've been getting lunch and going to the local beaches here. And actually, today I went to one, which I think you've been to, Dave. It's over in Westport. So I've been venturing out of Fairfield over to some of the adjoining towns and and went to uh, uh, Campo Beach over in Westport. Oh, yeah. Very nice beach. Uh but a few things that that uh, that I think may be relevant here. So one thing that I like to try to do is to try to take a picture or two. And uh, I usually don't bring my my Lumix camera, but I've been I've been really exploring a lot of the iPhone photography. And in and of itself, I would say the iPhone camera is pretty good. I mean, it it does a pretty good job for a teeny little lens and you know pretty low megapixel sensor. Let, but the one thing I just want to just to to give everyone some context: which iPhone hmm. do you have? So I have the iPhone four, which okay. I is a five megapixel and, and it's running iOS five, which introduced some, some nice features in, in the camera application. But the, the thing that I've been doing or, or the thing that I've noticed or the packages that I've been using here. So I just want to share with people. So the camera application in of itself takes pretty good pictures, but then the one thing that I've been using, which I would recommend people try, and, and it just amazed me. Uh, the, the one thing that I've learned is that a camera captures way more information than most people realize. And I took one picture at a little place that I found here was a little, 
Um, it's called a uh, Ye Yacht Yard. I didn't even know it was it existed in Fairfield. And it was a marine, and I took a picture, and it was kind of overexposed and all that. And I was like, ah, well, some people still liked it. I put it on Instagram, but then someone said, you know what? Take Snapseed, which Snapseed is something from Nick Software. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, offered on both the i devices, and now I think they recently rolled it out for uh, for the Mac. But I was amazed. So I took one of my pictures, applied a few of their filters. And all of a sudden, all of this color, it, it looked almost black and white when I first took it. But then when I applied some of their filters to it, all of this color came out and people were like, oh, my gosh, look at that photo. So it shocked me. Uh, again, the, when you take a picture, what you see is only uh, you can do some post-processing that can really give you some amazing results. So I'm very happy with Snapseed and I think people should check it out. I don't think it's terribly expensive. And actually, I think I got the, uh, the Mac version every now and then they'll offer it for free. Yeah, but, but I was just amazed. I mean, it was it's night five, and day. It's five bucks otherwise, so it's not a big deal. Yeah, but I applied a few filters and it brought out so much information contained in the photo that I didn't know. Um, cool. So I'll offer that. And uh, and Flickr actually got back to me on on the little geocoding problem I had. And they basically acknowledged, yeah, sometimes we'll, we'll misidentify the uh, area that you're in. So they got uh, back to me. So hats cool. off to Flickr. They said, yeah, sometimes we get the next town over, but we, we will relay the information and you can actually manually edit so they make a best guess, but you can manually edit where the, where the photo was listed as being taken from. Oh, cool. And it was a nice lunch at the beach. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but moving on. But, uh, but uh, again, I never, I never thought I'd say I'd be going to the beach in February. We were, we went to the beach yesterday, actually. Well, we were on our way to the beach and then wound up stopping at, um, uh, yeah, basically at the beach at different, just a different beach. Uh, and we hiked around. I actually found two geocaches, um, in uh in the woods oh. at the beach yeah it was a nice day to that well if we had to recommend uh, some, uh, do you use a particular app i, I, I know we're, we're totally unscripted here at the beginning but yeah uh, but, but i know a lot of people like this so geocaching is like a contest i believe where people well, will hide things and and the challenge is to find them and then use and i guess there are applications where you can both learn about the challenges like find something in this area and then you can report if you found it right how about if i tell about it since yeah, I've done go. It. yeah, there you go. So, yeah, you're kind of right, though. I mean, it's it's a it, I wouldn't call it a challenge uh, or a contest. It's more it's more a community. Um, and mm. and the concept is essentially a treasure hunt, right, where someone will that usually it's a Tupperware container or something like that. You hide these things in public places in the woods uh, and you mark them uh, by their uh, by their GPS location. And then there's a website and there's really I mean, there's a couple of them. There's open caching and this sort of thing. But but geocaching dot com is really kind of where it all started, or at least the the home of everything uh, that 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 sort of came up. And uh, and you can search there for caches that are near you. And then and then you take your GPS device uh, into the woods with the the coordinates of the cache and, and sometimes a hint as well that you've pulled down from the website. And and you go and you you hunt for these things. And, and it's fun because you're in the woods and you're looking for something. And it's sometimes, you know, it's cool that, you know, these things are almost in, in not really in plain sight, but but they're there and just out there all the time. But the only people that know about them typically are the people that, you know, look them up on online. And and inside each cache is typically a log book. So you can sign your name and say I was here. And then also there's this whole idea. Well, there's a couple of things you can trade out stuff. So sometimes people put like little trinkets like Super Bowls or Matchbox cars or whatever uh, 
And so you bring something, maybe, you know, if you, if you had a matchbox car, you, you didn't mind trading away, you'd go to the thing. And if you found a super ball or whatever in there, you'd, you'd take the super ball out, you'd put the matchbox car in and it's kind of a one for one sort of thing. Uh, and then there's also the concept of, of travel bugs, which are, um, things that have a, a, a unique code on them and you can, you can put your own travel bug in and then you can say, I want this bug to go, you know, to Alaska. Right. And, and so it's, it's the job of anyone who visits the cache to say, ah, yeah, I see this bug here. I might, you know, I might be able to get it as far as New York state. And so they bring it to New York state and then somebody in New York brings it a little further and it, you know, this thing kind of moves around. So, so that's the whole deal in a very brief nutshell. Um, and we got into this, I would say probably 10 years ago, maybe eight years ago. But the problem was that, you know, a portable GPS unit is a pain in the neck because they, you have to think about it ahead of time. You have to download all the stuff from your computer at your house to the unit. And then you have to bring it with you in the woods and there's no going back and thinking, Oh, like, you know what? It was that hint. If you, you had, we were printing stuff and it was a disaster. And then along came from the iPhone and the iPhone is perfect. In fact, arguably the most perfect geocaching, um, uh, device because it's got GPS in there. It's got network connectivity, and there's an app from geocaching.com. I think it was like 10 bucks or something, but you just, wherever you are, you just say, Oh, Hey, I wonder if there's any caches here, which is exactly what Lisa said yesterday. And uh, we both pulled out our iPhones and we launched the app and we said, search nearby. And sure enough, it shows you, Hey, here's everything nearby. And then it pulls down all the details and the hints and the description. And we went and found these caches. And then right from the app, you can log. I found this, which is cool because it, it, that's the contest part, right? It, it adds to your, your found count, but it also marks that you found it. So it's not going to show it to you on the next time you search, which is cool. So you'd probably have a blast with geocaching, John. Yeah, I should try it because I've noticed that at least Instagram, if you choose uh, within the iPhone to turn on location services in the camera app yep, and you share a photo taken with the camera app and then use Instagram, uh, it'll know that there's a, uh, and I think uh, what it does right now is it actually links with Squarespace. So it'll say, oh, okay. well, there's a geotag on this and, and click on me and I'll tell you things that are nearby and then it'll tag your photo uh-huh. uh, when you publish it with, with the, uh, the, like, for example, this one here, it was, you know, ye old yacht yard. It's like, wow, I never heard of this before. It, it, it's not published in the town records explicitly. I, I actually huh. <laughs> found it by accident. I, I was, I was running ways. And I punched in the name of a location that wasn't quite right. And it yep. led me to this place. I'm like, wait a second. This isn't blah, blah beach. This is like something different. But it said, you know, beach sticker required to park here. And then uh, then once I took the picture, I punched it in. I'm like, oh, look at this place. I never heard of it. it, it it's funny. I, I, I've lived here for quite a while. And I found out the found this little marina that, that really isn't highly publicized and uh, very scenic. That's awesome. And that, you know, that, so you're getting the same benefit out of that that we are out of the geocaches is, mm-hmm. is you know, it almost forces you to kind of explore more uh, around where you are or wherever you are. It's cool. We when we got when we went to San Francisco with the family last year, you know, we we got off the plane. Uh, we took an early flight. So we were there by like noon Pacific or whatever. And we stayed at this apartment that we rented with home away. And, and we decided just to take a walk. And we found ourselves in this park in the middle of San Francisco, kind of. Uh, just outside of the hate. And, uh, and again, you know, I think it was Lisa who said, I wonder if there's a geocache here. And so we went through our ritual and sure enough, we found some and, but it, you know, it, it forces that exploration. It makes it fun. So it's cool. 
And now we're totally okay. off the script. <laughs> All right. So uh, last show, we had a listener ask a question that we sort of posed to the to the group here uh, about syncing between iOS and the Mac. And, and we sort of left it open ended. And I'd like to continue to leave it open ended because I think and we're going to share some of the, the feedback that we got about this. But I think there's more. Um, and, and I would love to hear everybody's ideas because we got a lot of different ideas and, uh, and I want to share three of them here. So, uh, Paul and, and frankly, many others, um, suggested this, but Paul says, guys, the solution to the issue of sharing things between an iPhone, iPad, or iPod touch and a Mac is the PasteBot app on the iDevice and then running PasteBot Sync on the Mac. This will allow copy from the iOS, iOS app into the PasteBot app, which will then sync it over to the Mac. Okay, so PasteBot is pretty cool. It's from the TapBots people, and I find myself using more and more of their software because their, their UI is so good. I'm using TweetBot for Twitter because their UI is so good. Um, but PasteBot's no different. What? So the idea here is that you... Uh, copy something, you know, iOS doesn't allow things to run in the background and read from all the apps. Right. So what they've done with PasteBot is you take something, anything and copy it, a picture, text, uh, really anything that you can copy. You just copy on the on iOS. And then as soon as you launch PasteBot, whatever's on your clipboard is added to PasteBot. Now, by by default, it keeps the most recent ninety nine items in uh, in kind of your main list. But if you have one of those things in your in your clipboard history that you want to save uh, longer, you can you can do that. You can save it in a folder. And it and so even just on the iOS device, it's cool to have this kind of clipboard history of things and you can manipulate stuff. There's pictures in there. You know, if you put a picture in, you can turn it to black and white or sepia or do, you know, some minor manipulation. You can do the same thing with text. You can convert it to all uppercase or all lowercase or you know, there's lots of different stuff you can do. But as Paul said, uh, it really comes into its own on the Mac. Now, the iOS app is three ninety nine, but there's a, a free companion Mac app. And when you run this thing on your Mac, you, you, you pair the two up over Wi-Fi. And then if whatever you've got in PasteBot, if you want to paste that onto your Mac, you actually just hold down. Uh, you sort of tap right on the, the, the element, be it text or pictures, and your Mac immediately pastes it at the point of the cursor. There, there, you do something on your iOS device, and it happens on your Mac. It's actually a really cool thing. And it really makes this whole kind of copy-pasting between the two very, very seamless. So uh, so thank you, Paul. I, I easily did, It didn't take me long to spend the four bucks on this one. So that's uh, it's cool. I'm surprised I never used it before. Did you check out PaySpot yet, John, or, or not yet? I'm, I'm looking at it now. So it seems to me the concept here, because I, I know that you can, it, it sounds like a, a different take on things like Dropbox or some of these file sharing services where you could certainly yeah. paste a URL into them, but that, that, that's okay. It's cumbersome, this, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, this sounds like, it, yeah, it, it serves the need exactly. You want to, you want to share text and it's probably going to be on your clipboard at some point or, right. or pictures. No, I'm looking here right now at the yeah. webpage and it's it, text, it's graphics uh, and, and you share it among multiple devices. No, it sounds like a great, uh, do, do yourself a favor after the show, all of you actually, uh, although you that are everybody, but John can pause the show and go do this right now. Uh, John, you have to wait till after we're finished recording, but it's still before no, everyone else. So that's kind of a weird thing. But anyway, uh, it's like we get to manipulate time. 
Um, watch the little video about Haystot on the site. We'll we'll post a link to it um, because it's it's pretty cool seeing their their little demo of it. So, uh, all right, and then uh, and then Jason and many many of you uh, had this excellent idea. Hello, Dave and John. This is Jason. Um, just wanted to give a little comment on the person who was trying to figure out how to save uh, web pages so that they could read them later or what kind of workflows we were using. Um, I use a simple way um, on the iPad or the iPhone uh, down at the bottom of the Safari browser. If you hit the little uh, arrow, I think it's the right pointing arrow, uh, it gives you a list where you can make a bookmark or among other things, but there's a add to reading list. And if you add it to that and you have iCloud, now I don't know if this is a case for the user that wrote in, but in my case, all mine are logged in under the same iCloud account. And if I add it to the reading list, it will sync that to all of my machines. Same as if I add a bookmark, it will sync all those, and then it's available to all of them, no matter which one I'm on. So just wanted to pass that along. Thanks. Thanks, Jason, and thanks, everybody, for that uh, that little tidbit. I, here's the interesting thing. When this first came out, it was only on iOS. We didn't have the syncing because iCloud wasn't out. Um, so I never, I really, I never thought about it again, uh, until he mentioned it. And then I realized why I hadn't been using it. And, you know, I'm doing this weird thing where I'm actually on my Macs. I am still, I am syncing between both iCloud and mobile me. And it was a huge, I've been meaning to write up how to do it, but it's coming, becoming less and less valuable. Uh, It was a huge undertaking to figure out how to do this. And and it's still kind of a a crazy thing. So I I don't recommend it, but uh, I was syncing all my bookmarks with mobile me and bookmark syncing in iCloud is required for the reading list to sync. That's how that's the the vehicle that it passes through. So uh, so I had to shift that today. And now, yeah, it works great. I've got, uh, you know, my bookmarks or my reading list everywhere. So that's another cool thing, John. And it's free for people with Lion and iOS five. Yeah, good. No, I'm. I'm moving forward with my mini. So as, as you know, I'm, I'm in a similar situation as you, Dave, I have right. iCloud and mobile me. Right. I, I don't know if I want to move. So my mini is still on snow leopard. The as, one is, reason, as is my podcasting machine here. So yeah, we're in the same boat there. And the one reason I use, which I don't know is a good reason, but you know, I use wiretap studio uh, and it has a, a little hiccup with lion and that you, you can't, I guess, differentiate the, by application, the audio that you capture, which now that I think about it is probably not that big a deal for, for what I use it for. Um, but I still like to have a snow leopard machine just because I know a lot of our listeners are, are still on snow leopard. Not everybody is on lion though. Of course now with the, uh, <laughs> advent of mountain lion, is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Now we're going to have three. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I haven't installed the preview yet. Uh, if you haven't heard, yes, uh, Apple, I guess, uh, uh, gave a preview to certain select individuals and now the news is out and we've carried it. I'm sure as, as long oh, yeah. as uh, along with everybody else. And, and there are a lot of 
nifty new features. I've actually got it running and anybody who's in the developer program that has access or has access to it in, in whatever way it's been provided to you. Um, I am running mountain lion inside of a virtual machine in VMware. And, uh, and it's an excellent way to test OSs. Uh, so I highly recommend if, you know, assuming you don't want to run it as your main machine on any of your Macs. And, well, and I certainly don't think that's a good idea at this stage. Well, developer preview means that yeah. just as the other thing they Beta. released. Uh, yeah. like, well, right. Well, well, just like the the other thing that happened. So uh, they also released a uh beta or preview i'm not sure exactly how they uh, of messages which is going to replace iChat. and actually i downloaded that but yeah uh, uh, i guess the thing that always uh tickles me sometimes is that when when you're talking something that says developer preview alpha beta that's what it is yeah. uh, the thing is i see a lot of people complain that things don't work right in these things and the thing is they are named the way they are for a very good reason in that they are not a release and I would yeah. say to anybody, like uh, you, what you're doing is the absolute best solution, Dave. Do uh, I, I would certainly never install a pre-release and even sometimes a dot release of an operating system as my day-to-day operating system. So putting I, it in a VM is 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 a beautiful solution because the worst you can do is destroy the virtual environment. Yeah, the only problem with that is um, you don't get you know inside a virtual machine you don't get the full experience because the whole trackpad. Uh, sliding thing doesn't really translate into the VM. So I've actually been considering the the stupid option of making <laughs> Mountain Lion the main OS on my 11 inch MacBook Air. Now it is not a machine that I rely on most of the time. It's sort of an uh, accessory machine. Obviously, I use it when I travel. So that's sort of what's held me back is, you know, I'm going away next week and like, uh, do I really want a developer preview with me on the road as my only? No, I don't, you know, but, but that I've been toying with it, but it's stupid. I, I get that, you know, and I know that if I do it, I, I am, it's my own darn fault. Whatever happens. You're, you're tempting fate. Oh, yeah, more than tempting. I'm, I'm, you know, like inviting it in and buying a dinner. I mean, it's like. <laughs> You know, and and here have access to my knife collection while I go into the other room and disrobe. You know, it's like this is not good. So anyway, uh, messages I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, messages is I fiddled with it a bit. I I, I typically don't run IM uh, apps on a regular basis, but I tried it and I was able to send a iMessage from my Mac to my iPhone, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, and oh, it, it imported all my features, but I it, it's definitely preview because I noticed like one time I started it up and my window positions were all mangled. Uh, the windows were like off in hyperspace, so they were certainly not where they were when I quit it. So it it it, it is a preview, right? Right. Uh, you know, I want to talk about our first sponsor here because uh, we're burning time like it's crazy, and I don't want this to go uh, <laughs> too long. <laughs> uh, and our first sponsor for this show is Audible. Uh, at uh, well, you would visit audiblepodcast.com slash Mac Geek Gab. Uh, Audible provides you with access to hundreds, uh, probably over 100,000 uh, audiobooks, and they're all professionally done. And you can get a free audiobook just by signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash Mac Geek Gap. That's how you do it. That's how they credit it to us. I mean, they paid us for the ad, of course, but but that's how they know that you came through us. But it's also good for you because it gets you your free book. 
you know, my uh, an audible, an audio book that my the audible book that I'm going to take with me. I'm going on vacation next week is this book that I guess it's coming out as a movie, but my kids have been reading it. And my now now my wife is reading it and I'm going to try it as an audio book while I'm away. It's called The Hunger Games. Very, very popular thing about uh, it's kind of this sick and twisted thing where uh, uh, people in this caste system essentially take children and send them in the woods and, and they send, I don't know, like 15 kids into the woods and, and the winner is the one that lives. So it's kind of crazy. Uh, but uh, but, you know, that that that's that that makes for interesting reading sometimes. But so says the guy who. Uh, who just mentioned the, the bringing the mountain lion into the house with the, uh, with hmm. the knives. But anyway, uh, the Steve Jobs book from Walter Isaacson is also available uh, as your free audible book. If you visit the, the, the special Mac geek Gab URL. So, uh, so I highly encourage you to check it out. They've got an, you can, you can download this stuff into iTunes, but they also have an app uh, that you can put on your iPad or your iPod or your iPhone and play the audiobooks right from there. You can sync them down. You can manage your account right from the app on your iDevice. And it's awesome. And here's the thing. you So you get a 30-day free trial uh, of Audible Listener Gold. And that gets you your one uh, free book. And if you choose not to continue past that, you keep the book. So there's no, obli- there's no requirement that you keep an account active in order to to uh, keep listening to the books that you've uh, that you've gotten through this. So definitely worth checking out audiblepodcast.com slash Mac geek gab is where you're going to go. And, uh, and I, I hope you enjoy it. I certainly do. These, uh, these audio audio books are fun. And uh, especially if you're, if you're a podcast listener, chances are you're spending some time in the car or, or otherwise entertained by audio. So it's perfect for you, frankly. Audiblepodcast.com slash MacGeekGab. John, we had one more uh, suggestion from Mark that I wanted to share about this whole syncing thing. And Mark says, web pages from the Mac to the iPad, use Instapaper. He's right. I don't know why I didn't think of this. I use this all the time. Uh, In fact, I'd forgotten about reading list. Instapaper is so cool. Uh, you can save stuff to Instapaper from a variety of apps. A lot of Twitter apps support it, which is really, really handy. If you see a link inside your Twitter app, you can just send it to Instapaper. Uh, Instapaper, the service is free. You can buy uh, You can get a free version of the Instapaper app for your Mac or you can buy it. But um, but uh, it's third party. You can visit this stuff on the web and manage it. You can subscribe to your Instapaper feed inside an RSS reader. So it's really cool. Um and and now that I've turned on reading list, I'm probably going to have to not use that because I, I still have my life in Instapaper and uh, and it's far more flexible than reading list. So. So there you go. Use Instapaper, John. No. OK. Well, you know, cost money, right? No, really? You yeah, you can. I mean, it, to use it a lot, you'll want know. to pay for it. But um, but for for mild stuff, no. No, you you don't. It's, you just go sign up instapaper.com. I'm I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, that that that's for me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And Marco's awesome. I don't know if you know Marco Armand. He's uh he's he develops into instapaper. See, I'm 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 just wary, Dave. You know, when I got the iPhone, I mean the iPhone is Probably the best phone other than it not being a clamshell phone because I'm still terrified of dropping it and breaking it. Sure. But I'm I'm frightened of falling into the app purchase 
cyclone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I tend to find, or, uh, you know, I tend to find things that are either offered, you know, like for example, Snapseed for a while, there's like, Hey, try it for free. And you know, I did. And it, 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 I think may, may drive me to buy the Mac version, but I, I, I'm, I'm afraid yeah. that if I buy one app, then I'll buy another and another. And then you'll I, have I a thousand dollar a year app habit. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's right. So, so I try to be a uh, judicious or, or uh, uh, I try to meter my, my app purchasing. Activities. I don't blame you. I think it's smart. I think it's smart. Hey, uh, all right. So we're done with the syncing thing. Uh, let's run through, uh, though, you know, I said we could run through this stuff really fast. We're, it's, it's, we've got so much on deck. Go. It's ridiculous. You're holding us back. Go. go you want to read Simon for us, John, or should I read Simon? <laughs> Wait, do I have it in front of me here? I got it. Um, so go. si- Simon wrote, uh, you know, we talked about this in the last show about how um, his Mac showed four gigabytes. Uh, he, he had put two two gig chips in, in his MacBook and his Mac under Snow Leopard only saw three gigabytes. And when he upgraded to Lion, it showed four. Well, uh, that's true. But as John suspected, uh, everyone, including Simon, confirmed that the Mac really, it saw that there were two two gig chips in there and it reported that, but it only addresses three still. Activity Monitor confirmed that. So thank you to everyone for uh, for proving our own Mr. John F. Braun correct. <laughs> Every once in a while. Uh, but basically what's happening here, and you know, I've seen this on other computer systems, including when I had a Windows machine and a, and a Dell. The, the problem here is that the about this Mac, or I'm sorry, the yes, the about this Mac dialogue was showing you one view of memory in that it was showing the amount of memory that was installed in the machine. The right. problem is activity monitor, as I suggested and suspected, was showing how much memory the OS, or I think uh, related to, and I think you hinted at this, Dave, the memory controller was seeing. And it kind of bothers me in that the OS, in that you're getting two different figures here. So, so I guess the message here is that if you want to know how much memory your computer sees, do not rely on about this Mac. Go to Activity Monitor, and as everybody got back to us, it said three gigabytes. Um, now, it kind of bothers me that they changed that behavior, though. I mean, why, why did... I don't know. <laughs> you would think that the right move would be to have it show you four and say three usable you know with like a link to a knowledge base article that explains why it's telling you this because what 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 about this mac was saying was was not incorrect but right they're both wasn't useful right it was just here's the amount installed and here's the amount that you can actually use and yeah that they should be consistent so crazy again thank you everybody and and we did um we did, as a matter of fact, tweet this out. I, I did tweet this out on the Mac Geek Ab Twitter feed. And I don't know if this is a good time to talk about things like our Twitter feed, Dave. Every time is a good time. Well, then we should just talk about all the ways that, that you can get in touch with us. So, so one of them. Well, no, we're going to talk about how we can get in touch with you. So one is our Twitter feed, which is Mac Geek Ab. And, I, and as soon as I learned about this and we had multiple people provide the information to us, I tweeted this out. And uh, if you follow us at twitter.com slash MacGeekGab, you would have seen this. But there are a number of other ways that uh, a number of other Twitter feeds that, that are also useful. And uh, one is 
John F. Braun, which is me, Dave Hamilton, which is him. Again, Mackie Gab, Mac Observer. Uh, what else? Pilot oh, Pete. Gosh. He's sometimes here. Yeah, he's 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 piloting. Uh, Michael yeah. Johnston, who uh, who uh, crafts the AAC version of our podcast, which hey, which is awesome. enhanced. And it's awesome. So that is one way. So, so we're on Twitter. We are also, and, and we actually had a discussion about this on Facebook as well. So if you want to follow us on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash No surprise there. But then if you want to get in touch with us, Dave, or anyone who's listening, the thing, uh, what I would do is I would fire up my mail, my email program, and I would send an email to feedback at MacGeekGab.com. That's feedback, folks, at MacGeekGab.com. But not feedback, folks. It's just feedback at MacGeekGab.com. And Dave is absolutely correct in that it's feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Now, there's also another address. Should we mention our premium at MacGeekGab.com? Of course, premium at MacGeekGab.com for all of the people who subscribe to our premium feed, which is 25 bucks for six months. You get two extra episodes per month and access to the archives and uh, you're supporting John and I directly. And we greatly appreciate that. So. And I guess the third one is, uh, is it customer? Let me make sure I get this right. Dave. Customer support at customersupport.com. That's, that's for yes. premium members only. That's right. Yeah. Only. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, 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 please. That's only for premium members. That That's for problems with your premium account. Customer support at MacGeekGab.com. That's the only time you would use that address. Gotcha. Yeah. And what else? What else? Um, iTunes. iTunes for comments. iTunes, iTunes comments uh, about the show, what you like. And votes. What you, what you really like. And, <laughs> and votes, of course. You can give us stars. Mm-hmm. We like stars. Stars are good. Oh, I'm sorry. You can call us, Dave, using this this antiquated. Well, no, if you have an iPhone or or a landline phone or a, a, a battlefield phone that, that I've had in the past year, but you can call us at 206-666-GEEK, Dave, which is 4335. Yeah, that's what it is. Trust me on that. Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, John, let's go to Seth. Seth had uh, had a, a little thing to share. Ah, and wait, wait. It, <laughs> here we go. Okay. I think I had it from Seth. Hi, Dave and John. Or is it John and Dave? Is that the right Seth? I think I that's got the, the right, right Seth. Seth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting into the reading thing here. Yeah. But, but I think I got it. <laughs> You're doing and great. Seth says, <laughs> after listening to show 378 and the talk about iWeb alternatives, I wanted to pass this along. Freeway. A graphics-based web development software for Mac is awesome. Available in two versions, Express for $69 at the App Store or the Pro version for $229 at www.softpress.com. Similar to iWeb, but with much more freedom to develop from the simplest site to the most complex. You can create using just the GUI or write as much code as you like. Cool. I switched from iWeb after Apple gave up developing the software further and have been very happy that I did. To upload to my web server, I use Transmit, an awesome FTP SFTP S3. Amazon oh, S3. The Amazon, that's yeah. the Amazon's. Okay. Or WebDAV uploader that syncs flawlessly, available at www.panic.com slash transmit. Awesome. Uh, all right. So we got more tips to share here. Uh, Jeff. 
has something interesting to share, I am sure. And I should have prepped this when you were doing your thing. But Jeff says, I was listening to your tips over mounting uh, or about mounting a server after restart. I actually needed something similar. And after trying to mess with folder actions on volumes, which don't work any longer, I found a prep pane that will do this for you. It is called do something when and seems to accomplish the same thing for my case. It allows you to launch an application when a volume is mounted or unmounted. I set it up so that do something when has an action on the unmount of my volume on the server, the restart, and then added a delay four minutes works in my case. And then it will run the application to connect to my server. Again, the application is just an Apple script saved as an application that I use to auto connect at login. Uh, so this is very interesting. He has this do something when essentially, as he said, triggers on either mount or unmount. And the whole point was, well, let's say you have an external drive that you use for your music. Well, the idea is you plug it in and iTunes launches and then you eject it and iTunes quits so that you're not, you know, having this contention really, really smart actually. But what he did is he's got, this is really smart thinking. He's got an unmount action that tells it to remount the drive after four minutes which is really kind of funny. So when he restarts or even shuts down and comes back up, the action's going to be there waiting for him. So, uh, so that's an interesting way of ensuring that something will, that a, a device will always be mounted. So thanks Jeff. Good stuff. John, you want to, uh, uh, I, I, I think, go, well, go ahead. What? Huh? Well, I think it's worth mentioning talking about mounting. So, so the problem that we were given in the past here, Oh, hold on. You may hear a siren in a moment. Okay. I'm hearing, hearing the fire guys doing something. Oh, fun. Yeah. Well, uh, but one thing worth mentioning. So although the problem that we were presented with was, you know, if a drive disappears, then how do I remount it in the middle of my day? Login items. Uh, I think it's worth mentioning that if you go into your system preferences, accounts, login items, and a lot of people don't know this. And uh, I was actually surprised the first time I learned this. If you drag a network volume into that window, it'll mount it on, when your machine starts up. Have you had that work all the time for you? Because uh, I tried it with my Drobo and it, it, really? do, it didn't work. No, I had to use it would work sometimes. And it, it, I think well, it's related to those login items get triggered pretty early on when you log in. And I think the, the network, I don't, I don't know. I always assume that, you know, file sharing or the, the file sharing client wasn't quite ready. Uh, at least the, 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 the one that was needed for that. I don't know why, but it, it didn't, it did not work consistently for me. Even when I had an, uh, an, uh, a Mac OS 10 server, it didn't work consistently for me. When I've used it, it's worked. Um, I, I really haven't had a need as of late, but when I've done it, so I just want to mention to people because it, it, it is certainly not obvious when you look at login items that you can put uh, network shares in there. For the most part, when you look in that list, you will see item and kind. And for the most part, they're all applications that are launched on, on startup. A lot of times when you install an application, it'll put a little login item to, to start it up. But you can drag a network volume into that window and it will attempt to. Uh, mount it when you start up. I, I I think the problem with the Drobo, Dave, is that as you and I have both noted, and we'll get into a Drobothon at some point, is that a lot of times the Drobo doesn't necessarily mount very quickly. So I think what happens is that it doesn't happen because I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it I thought I mentioned that login items yeah. is a bit more flexible than 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 you may think. 
So just want to toss that out there. Yeah, no, it's good. It's it, it's if it works for you, it's it's awesome. Because like you said, it it's cake. Yeah. So. All right, John, tell us what Richie had to say. <laughs> You're assuming that I actually have this up here. OK, hold on. No, 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 no. All right, Richie. Hmm. OK, so here is what Richie had. Richie from San Francisco. Uh, who said he met us at Macworld with uh, some of his friends here, and he gave us a suggestion here for. Uh, oh, this is interesting. Okay, now we now we get it. I'm I'm in the groove here, Dave. I think. I don't know if you have ever shared this on the podcast, but I have a pretty good quick tip for you all. Command Shift Y. What does it do? Well. In most cases, I'll tell you what it does here because Dave, you actually uh, <laughs> helped the discussion here. Copy and paste selected te- text into a new sticky. Short, sweet, awesome. There you have it. And he's and right. Pro- he, he, he is right in, uh, conditionally. He is correct because when, when he sent this in, Dave, you tried to do this and, and it didn't work for you. No, it didn't. Why is that? Because I was reading his email message and when in, in, in mail command shift Y uh, says, uh, what was it? It, it, um, uh, I forget what it does. I think it adds the sender to the address book and it did. I went and checked my address book and sure enough, there was Richie in my, uh, in my address book, fully synced to all my iOS devices as the Mac is good at doing. And, uh, and so I wrote him back and I said, no dude, it didn't work. And he pointed out that mail is one of uh, one of the few apps where it doesn't work well. There's actually. Well, quite I found f- that. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it's there's more than mail. I'm I'm noticing now. Yojimbo, it doesn't support it. You can check to see if your app supports it by going to the apps menu. So if you're in mail, it's the menus that says mail. It's whatever the menu is to the right, immediate right of the Apple menu. Go to services, and it will appear there. Uh, and 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 Safari is one of them where it does appear if you go down to services and. And it typically does. Right. Yeah. Lion only, though. Right, John. Or is this working Snow Leopard for you, too? I haven't tried in Snow Leopard, but I okay. noticed the same thing. I was like, why doesn't it work? And I went in mail. And yeah, and yeah when I looked in the services menu. Yeah, it does it work. In, it does show. work in Snow Leopard. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So it works. But I guess this is a general comment in that the, these keyboard shortcuts. Uh, well, the services menu will show you whether it works or not, because if you go to the services menu, you will, if the keyboard shortcut applies, you will see it. In this case, that that's why I came to the conclusion. Oh, well, <laughs> Dave just happened to find the application that it doesn't One of the applications is it doesn't work in, which is mail because it didn't in the services menu show the keyboard shortcut because it was, it was uh, assigned to something else. And actually it, it does uh, work in, uh, in Yojimbo for me. So I, I lied hmm. the first time. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. I don't know why this would happen. Uh, I went to, as I was describing, I went to the Yojimbo menu. I went to the services menu and there was nothing listed. And so I thought, well, it doesn't work here. And then I hit command shift Y and it made a new sticky. And then I went back to the services menu and it's there. So it's a little weird. Anyway, that's, uh, that's that. Okay. So that's Richie. Let's, um, Let's see about getting some questions, John. So uh, do you want, uh, I'll, I'll start with, uh, with Terry here and then we'll do Larry. Um, and so Terry writes, hi guys, 
I'm trying to find a way to use the arrange by category in Lion. But Lion doesn't seem to recognize correct categories for some of the apps. I end up with a lot of apps in the other category, and I would like to move some of the obvious ones into what I consider the correct category. For example, I just downloaded Disco. Thanks, John. And it is in the other category instead of video. How does Lion select the categories? Is there any way to have more control over the process? Yes, Terry, there, there actually is a way to have more control over the process. So these categories are set inside the application bundle, presumably by the developer, but uh, but not always. So there's one of two ways to do it. One is to petition your developer of any given app to add a category to their application bundle. Uh, this is a good thing to do, even if you're going to do it yourself, because when a new version of the app comes, it's going to replace the old app bundle and replace its category. So. Uh, but if you want to do it on your own, it's not that bad. There's a little article over at uh, Mac OS 10 hints that uh, says to add or modify a category, you have to open the application bundle. So you right click on the application and, and choose show package package contents. Uh, and then inside there, there is an info.plist file. And you can change the existing category by changing or adding a key called LS application category type. Uh, and there is a list of categories uh, that uh, Apple has published, and it, those are the that, those are the ones that you can use. There are no additional. You can't make up your own, in other words. So uh, so that yes, it is doable. Uh, but I, if you're going to do it on your own again, like I said, I would do I would also contact the app developer because they're going to replace it each time the, uh, you know, each time the, the app is updated. So that's how you do that. You ready for Larry, John? I am ready and I'm. I'm ready to to selectively read part of this, Dave. Awesome. Which is part of the art here, right? It, there is an art to this. <laughs> That's right. Yes. We, we don't tend to read everything that comes through. So, yeah. so I'm going to start here and I, 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 hopefully you'll, you'll agree with my editorial Go. Uh, parsing of this. Um, so Larry says, the finder's bar at the bottom of every window letting me know how much space is on a drive used to be a central focus during my house cleaning sessions on my computer. If I needed more space, my eyes would scan to that line after hearing the shred sound when emptying the trash. In Lion, apparently Apple felt that this was TMI, which is too much information. Who wouldn't want to know how much how much is in their drive, especially when warning dialogues say that there is not enough to copy a certain number of files. It's almost like if Apple was in the car business to use my earlier example and decided not to give the gas tank indicator on the dashboard. I mean, sure I can always get info, but this is TMW, which is too much work. <laughs> Any ideas or suggestions? So I think I parsed out the, the, the you did uh, great. Now answer his question. <laughs> no, you did. That was perfect. And yeah. here's the answer to the question. So one thing, so actually in our, I'm going to give the answer here. I noticed this as well in lion. And the problem is Larry, I think something happened probably during the upgrade process here, but I think Apple may have decided that this is too much information, but here's what you want to do to restore this functionality because they, they did at least when, uh, in my experience with an upgrade did this. If you go to the view menu, select show status bar, the information will come back. Did you notice this Dave when you upgraded to lion? Totally. Yep. You did. Okay. So uh, I don't know if, uh, so it sounds to, to Larry's point that they may have intentionally kind of shielded you from this because, yeah, I don't know. I mean, some people may be, well, I don't know why you wouldn't want to see that information, but maybe they felt it 
clutters your view, but they certainly give you an option to restore that. So that worked. And, uh, and I think he, he got back to us and said that, you know, during his, uh, uh expected a future lifetime that we probably saved him about 15 minutes, uh, <laughs> time <laughs> in that he didn't have to click on get info. So that's cool. Why did Apple do Yeah. Who knows why Apple does things? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they, they, um, their whole mentality is uh, they're not necessarily building their operating systems for people like for, for people like us, frankly, they're, they're building them for the people that, um, that the kind of the everyone, and maybe people don't care about this. It seems that particular one seems kind of crazy, but remember they're, you know, they're also moving down a path where, you know, the file system becomes less important. You know, you're not even going to mess with, with that part of it. You just launch your app and, and get your files that way is, is some of, some of what's Well, when you on. think about it, so, your, your iDevices for absolutely. the most part, they don't tell you how much space is available or how many files you have. And do you really need to know that? And right. I guess I'm with him with him to a certain extent that maybe Apple felt it was TMI. It was too much information. Do, yeah. do you really need to know it? But if you do, at least under OS 10, you, you can restore that. That's right. That's right. All right. I want to talk about our second sponsor for this show, uh, which is Audio Engine at AudioEngineUSA.com. And uh, as this may be their last spot for at least a while, I want to go back to where we started with them many, many years ago. And uh, talk about the A5s, which are now the uh, the A5 pluses or the Audio Engine 5 pluses. You can find about find out about this at AudioEngineUSA.com. And uh, the Audio Engine 5 pluses are a pair of what they call bookshelf speakers. They certainly work on the desk. I have them on this very desk that I am sitting at here. And they are uh, it's two speakers or two enclosures. Uh, inside the enclosure is two speakers. Uh, these things are, they're about 10 inches, maybe 10 and a half inches tall, seven inches wide and about seven inches deep. And, uh, and they sound fantastic. They've got this really, really warm sound and, uh, and they're self powered, meaning that one of them actually has an amplifier that works for both. And so you connect one of them to both power and your computer, and then also to the other speaker, and uh, and they drive themselves in that way. And again, the sound, they, these folks at Audio Engine totally grok how to make sound work. So these things sound great, frankly, with just about everything. They, they have worked on them so that if you're playing an MP3, which is naturally a lossy sound, uh, these things will actually make up for some of that. But they sound fine with with CD quality, you know, uncompressed sound as well. So uh, really worth checking out. They are they're not. Uh, they're, they're, um, the, the, the five pluses, the difference between the fives and the five pluses is actually, uh, just some engineering differences doesn't really impact the sound. If anything, it makes it a little bit, uh, sharper on the low end, uh, a little bit fuller rather, I should say on the low end. Uh, they've just changed the way the back works and the way the grill on the back is so that, uh, they've got, um, so that the ports are in, in kind of an easier spot to get to, but, uh, they're three ninety nine for the pair, but. You can save yourself almost 40 bucks using the coupon code MGGTEN, but I encourage you to do this quickly. As I said, that code may be going away. So MGGTEN saves you 10% and gets you uh, almost 40 bucks off. So check them out. AudioEngineUSA.com. These are the Audio Engine 5 Pluses. Uh, they, ha- they even have a 
uh, uh, USB power on them. And it's really, they're cool things. You got to check it out. AudioEngineUSA.com. Just go dig around. They've got a 30 day free audition so that uh, when you get them, you get to test them out. If you don't like them within 30 days, you send them back, you get all your money back. AudioEngineUSA.com. Are you ready to go to Eddie, John? I am ready. Go. Oh, I got to read this. Oh, man. All right. So here we go. Eddie brought up a really good one, which at first I thought was just Xcode, but it it is not just Xcode. So, hey, Dave and John, I have a problem clearing Xcode 4's recent list. I have posted this question in the Apple forums and haven't gotten an answer. Here's the problem. I have Xcode installed via the Mac App Store. Cool. And it's free now, though it used to be five bucks. I don't know when that changed, Dave. Uh, I created some app files and theoretically an app, which I never finished. I have since then deleted the folder containing the app data and cleared the recent list, the one that is present when Xcode launches. The problem is when I have Xcode in my dock and I right-click the icon in the dock and notice that the app names uh, or the project names uh, is listed in the upper uppermost section of the dock options. I've uninstalled and reinstalled Xcode twice. Uh, which was a suggestion of the forms. And I have cleared out the application support folder or whatever folder. Um, I think we can stop here, but here's the basic problem. So you can put Xcode into your doc, right? You right click on it. And and this is not the only application that does this. And this is what, what actually led me to the solution here. So Xcode is one of, one of the applications that can do this is that, is that it will conveniently, or not <laughs> list recent projects when you right click on it in the dock. Now, normally that's a cool thing, but apparently I think Dave, my conclusion is what I found is that there is a bug in the mechanism that does this because I noticed the same thing. So I noticed this not only in Xcode on my computer, but I noticed this in IDVD. Mm. And I think a number of applications do this. Pages would, does it. Yeah. It's great. Having okay. that recent stuff there. Yeah. But there's this bug for all of them. <clears throat> yeah. Right. And so what I found is that even if you go into the application and you say clear recent, they still appear in the dock icon. Here's what I found fixes it. And it was actually kind of an accident. But, you know, sometimes we have these happy accidents <laughs> because I said to him, you know, the, the, I thought it was a tricky one because I thought you, you whacked the prep file and that would get rid of it. But it didn't. Um, oh, my gosh. I don't have. I got it. No, I don't have the most recent uh, PDF in front of me here. But anyways, here's what I did. No, I I, I think I got it from memory here. But basically, here's what I did is, and and let me find it on my other computer here. But here's what I found is, so not only do you have to go into the application menu and say clear recent projects, but you have to go into the dock menu and say show recents. So what I suspect is happening is there's either a plist file or a cache file that's not getting cleared out because even if you go into the program itself and you say clear recent projects, they still appear in the doc icon list. But if you go into the doc and say show recents, that forces the projects to be purged and they will no longer appear. So good find, man. That's good. And Eddie stuff. wrote back and he confirmed that 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 works. So as far as I can tell, this is a bug in the in the doc. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I And, and I tested it here. It, it, it totally does. It's weird when you go to that show recents thing from the dock, it pulls up like almost like a dashboard style view where it sort mm-hmm. of hides everything else and just floats up these huge icons of your most recent documents. 
and 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 that's when it updates all that stuff. So yeah, it's weird that it doesn't do it, but whatever. That's why we're here. We're digging. That's what we do. All right. Uh, so let's jump to cool stuff found here, John, because we've got uh, we've got quite a few things there to uh, to talk about. So James wrote in and talked about what. Uh, uh, well, he actually just sent us a link to a website that says it's the super sweet one password trick you're almost certainly not using. So uh, one password is, for those of you that don't know, one password is this awesome app and I, and I you, you need it. It, you know, it should be built into the OS. It should be one of these things that's totally uh, rendered unnecessary by by Apple. But but it's not really there. And I mean, Safari's got some of this in there, but one password so much better about it. So one uh, password is this app that manages all your passwords. It allows you to create passwords. It makes it really easy. It also uh, securely stores your credit card data if you want. And we'll put that in when you want it to. And uh, and all this great stuff. So it's an awesome little app from Agile. Um, but there's this cool little trick. So normally the way one password works is you go to a web page that you need to log into, and then you invoke one password, either from the little menu that exists in, in your browser or by hitting a keyboard shortcut and you choose the login that you want. And then, um, if you have multiples for the website, if you only have one, it'll just automatically log you in at that point. But if you have multiples, you choose the login that you want, and then it logs you in. Uh, and it's pretty quick and pretty painless, and I couldn't ever have imagined needing to make it better. But this trick makes it better. So if you open up one password and you grab one of your logins and you drag it over into Safari's bookmarks bar, it does a magic little thing because you click on that in Safari's bookmarks bar now. And not only does it bring you to the URL in question, it automatically logs you in. Assuming one password is already unlocked and you can set what it takes to lock or unlock on password one password. But if it's locked, then it comes up and asks you to type in your one password to unlock it. So it's not it's not insecure. It's as secure as your computer would be with or without one password there uh, without without this little trick there rather. So uh, and it's awesome because you just click and it logs you in and uh, and it just totally works. And I had no idea about this. So they were totally right. Uh, about us being a trick that we're not using. So it was over posted over at nerdgap.com, but, uh, but we'll, we'll of course link to it. And now you know the trick. So maybe you don't even need to read. You can just institute implement, send the lunatics back to the Institute while you implement. Hmm? Huh? What? <laughs> uh, okay. And it, and I checked it out. It doesn't, um, you know, I, I looked, I was wondering if it was like putting like your username and password in some insecure way in your bookmarks or something that would, you know, open a huge security hole. And it doesn't. It puts the URL and then at the end of the URL, it adds a question mark and it says one password fill equals. And then there's this hash after that, which I presume is just a link back to one password where that data is stored. So it's uh, it seems to be pretty secure. That's good stuff. You still don't use one password, do you, John? Nope. <laughs> Dude, we got to fix that. Totally Soon to fix that. Okay. Uh, no, I got a list of all my passwords on a little sticky note. Oh, under my keyboard. Uh, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, here's the thing, though. If somebody makes it all the way into your house to where your keyboard is, that person getting at your list of passwords is probably low on your list of right. concerns. Yeah. 
Now you're with me. No, I, I do not. No, actually, what I do is at this point, I still have a list of passwords uh, in in a uh, in a little uh, insecure sticky note. Stickies. Don't you? Yeah. Well, stickies. Joy. I know I should. I should. And, and part of our part of our our crew here. Uh, actually, what, yeah, our buddy Stu, he, he actually is uh, over there at a uh, yeah. password, right? That's right. Yeah. Supporting all the uh, when they need support. Right. I'll right. get there eventually. I'm, I'm, I guess I, I don't know if I trust it, dude, you can trust these guys. I should trust it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. It's okay. I'll trust them because yeah, what I'm doing is, is, and you can sync it to your iOS devices and all your Macs. You can sync via Dropbox. Yeah. So it's just everywhere when you need it, but it's I know secure. every now and then I hear about a hiccup and I guess some app may have a problem with the interoperation, but they, they usually get on it and they, they figure it out. So. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So they do it right in in the yeah. What I'm doing is the wrong way to do it. Mm. Right. Yeah. Don't That's break right. into my house, please. But the wrong way to do it. Well, well. In my defense, the right, the totally wrong way to do it is to use the same password and username on every site that you go to. And I do not do that. I do a slight variation of my username and password, depending on the site I'm on. So that's better than nothing better, but these guys, yeah, bring it to the next level. And that well, they, I think in, in the background, they're generating a totally ridiculous pass, a randomized password, right? That's right. If I understand what they do and, and you shouldn't or need to know what it is, but they tie it to something else. So that's right. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree that they're, they're, Based on what I know about security, they're doing it properly. I That's just right. uh, haven't gotten around to it. The only Again, trick they, is, you know, I, I move slowly, and, I know. Uh, but that may be my next uh, revelation here. Though I did engage a uh, file vault on my MacBook Pro. Yay! All right. Do you notice that, any speed difference now that it's finished? The only difference I notice is when I restart the machine, sure. it asks for a password. As you would expect. That's right. Yep. Well, it asks for my login. It's yep. like, oh, by the way, before I'm going to start up, uh, what's your password and then it uses that in combination with other things as a you know a way to decrypt the hard drive that's right but other than that no i i notice absolutely no speed degradation and and yeah it did like you told me uh you know i said start it and uh i would see it doing its work you know i'd see a little processor activity in the background sure and if i looked in the file vault it would say yeah by the way you know you know it's going to take me you know for i think it was like four hours Okay. To encrypt or, or six hours to encrypt my total hard drive, which, uh, you know, I got a 500 gig drive. So, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, uh, other than that, it's a uh, hopefully totally transparent. Hopefully. Now what I, what I will do to verify that it's doing what it's doing is to boot probably through my express card, uh, with an SSD is mm. to, to look at the drive and just, just to make me feel better just to get a, a sector editor, uh, like drive genius or something and uh, change just look things. At the, Make sure you change. Oh, oh no, no, no. <laughs> uh, we're going to edit that out. <laughs> no, no. Is I want to look at the hard drive and, and just, uh, no, I'm sure they're doing it, but I want to look at with a sector editor and just look at what's on my hard drive. Of course. And of course, what I'm going to see is gibberish. And if it's not gibberish, then I'm going to be very, very scared. Well, and just, you can type gibberish right in there. It's just to make yourself, to make it even more secure. Can't you? <laughs> you and I are going to have sit down and have a little cryptography <laughs> primer. Okay. No, uh, no just anybody bad. listening. Uh, Ignore if you, me. If you do not use a sector editor on a encrypted drive or 
well, it's over. Well, if you do, then then you're going to call up Dave and, and he'll help you out. Sure. That sounds good. Yeah, that's right. But no, no, they're, they're doing it the right way. It, it, yeah. it was a one time operation and they're they're constantly doing it now. And, and that makes me happy. Yeah. So. Cool. All right. Will writes. Uh, hey, guys, I know you prefer busy Cal, but I just found a neat little thing in iCal and wanted to share. If you double click to create an event, you can then write in the event. The cool bit lies in what you write. If you write meeting with Josh at 2 p.m., it will put meeting Josh as the title, dropping 2 p.m. and then scheduling it at 2 p.m. This also works if you type things like lunch with Sarah. It will also make it at noon. Pretty darn cool and pretty darn found. I thought that's right. It is. It's pretty darn stuff, too. Uh, wait, Hmm? huh? Well, it's cool stuff found. So. Uh, yeah, it's cool. It is. It's like, uh, yeah, iCal does this natural language thing. Easy to forget these sort of obvious things that we all use. So, so these are, these are good little tips to send in folks. Thank you. All right. Uh, and let's go to David. Let's see if we can, uh, if we can wrap things up here with a nice little, and it, well, it's, uh, David says, I started using OmniFocus recently and I am loving it. I prefer Gmail's web interface to mail, though, so I was searching for a way to quickly make tasks out of an active Gmail message. I know OmniFocus has a clippings feature, but it's kind of limited. One of the nice things about Gmail is you can copy paste the URL of the email you are reading, and it is unique to that exact email message in any browser as long as you're logged in. So you can save that URL and OmniFocus, click it and be back at your email if you need to respond. So I went on a search to find a way to capture Gmail's URL, email subject, sender and message contents. And I found one that did almost everything I wanted. But I posted some comments on GitHub and Stack Overflow until someone perfected it, in my opinion. I figured you guys would be interested to share this with your listeners. And we are uh, simply create a bookmarklet out of the code on this page and you are good to go. And, and so this was not only cool stuff found, it's cool stuff made. So uh, so thank you, David. And, and he did. He posted to this. So you just take this JavaScript, you paste it into the as the uh, the essentially the URL, I guess, of your bookmarklet and uh, and name it and then it'll do it. And you just click this anytime you're in uh, in in Gmail and it will dump it into OmniFocus. So I know there are a lot of you folks out there that use OmniFocus. I am uh, I'm actually not one of them, but I, I have a weird relationship with to do apps. I desperately need one. Uh, I can't live without a to do list, but I I have never gotten into going deep with it, with the whole, you know, GTD and all that stuff. So uh, so there you go. Anyway. That's what I heard. And I can hear that band. Yeah. All right. Well, we've told everyone how to contact us, John. We've answered uh, several questions. We've shared a ton of tips. Uh, We even shared some stuff that we didn't plan on sharing. So I think we've kind of uh, we've made it to the end here. Is there anything you uh, you want to you want to add before we uh, we give the band the signal to play us out of here? I've added way too much. I think. <laughs> All right. Well, I do want to uh, finish thanking Michael Johnston. Uh, you, you gave his Twitter address, and you said that he was the one that uh, that converts this to AAC. All of which are true. He, in addition, is the host of the We Have Communicators podcast 
which I highly recommend you listen to, uh, all about the iPhone and iOS devices. Uh, Michael's on it all the time, of course, and then Jeff Gamet from TMO and Adam Christensen uh, from the MacCast, and also he's the one that helps us here uh, internally with all our tech stuff. Uh, the three of them are, are pretty much the regulars on that, and they bring other folks in. So check out We Have Communicators as well. And then uh, we'd like to thank Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth. And the podcast marketplace includes, as I said, the A5 Plus desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, PDF Pen for iPad from Smile and Gazelle, and also audiblepodcast.com slash MacKeeka for your free book. Check it all out, folks. Oh, hey, we will be here on Thursday for premium episode 383. And then I'm away next week, which makes us <gasps> off next week. So the next one of these will be, I guess, the first week in March. So uh, have a good one. Send in your stuff. And don't get caught. Yeah. Made up.